Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about a podcast on the star, a giant, red giant called Betelgeuse, around I think 640 uh, light years away, not a huge distance away, was the 12th brighter star, now the 24th, sort of dimmed by amount in just in, in recent in recent months so every man and his dog is up talking about it but um, people who know me will know that i have talked about the star for a long time i think the first time i uh, knew about it was uh, doing a physics prac in which I, we had a uh, a large source and it was a large laser source or light source and it was going through and it was producing a um, young split interference pattern but uh, you could measure a slightly dip variation in that pattern and from that variation you could uh, deconvolve the actual um, uh, get an effective effective size from the diffraction of the, of the pattern and so it was commented that this is used to measure the effective width of Betelgeuse is before the Hubble Space Telescope and things like that, where all light points were little dots and um, people who get good photographs would uh, take a photograph of the nebula once and take a photograph with a, a nebula with um, a, uh, a the nebula and bring the nebula out, the contrast out by taking a blurry photograph and putting that over as a mask so that uh, <coughs> that uh, darkened the rest of the field to bring out the brightness of it, were all, all this type of stuff. So uh, it's a star. Now my problem here is that uh, uh, there was someone who did a YouTuber and good looking person, microphone up there, intense, intense look and sort of slightly poetic, beautiful music, you know, with it. Um, and you just sort of felt, oh my god, this is just so romantic. I can imagine girls going, oh, he's a hottie, you know, what, what a hottie, you know, slightly shaved and intense, intense eyes as he told you stuff. And as he told you stuff, I said, oh, he's a little bit sciencey. He's read the most recent journal articles, but he's missed the point of big stars, what stars are and, and how they operate and stuff like that. So let's try and give you a sort of a guide to a star is. So essentially uh, if I have um, a gas cloud which will eventually make the star, a process goes on in which um, some of the matter swirls in and some of the matter swirls out. So for every star that you make to collapse in conservation of momentum, angular momentum means that as you swirling stars swirl star in, it just doesn't it doesn't suddenly a star doesn't get uh, angular momentum by spinning very fast. It means that there's relative to that, you know, your pile of stuff, it's collapsed down to gravitation it's obviously gravitational force, and that gravitational force is spinning energy and getting it to swirl in, but it can only swirl in as fast as it throws particles out. So essentially, uh, to to go in there, 
I basically have two pebbles which are locked together and they've got a force between them and the force between them breaks and one falls in and the other one falls out so that's that's a, that's a first start that forms this star and eventually as this goes along uh, the heat heat of falling in you've got some easy fuel uh, to um, go this is deuterium so there's a, a certain amount of fraction of deuterium left over from the big bang so when the big bang happened um, quarks and gluons and electrons cooled down uh, from the soup to make protons protons made helium in it made helium but it made a certain fraction of deuterium which is is sort of like uh, egg laying mixes star starting mix and this Heated up. Now, with the heat up, you have convection currents, and you have things being kicked out. And this would sort of you've got two particles here. One would knock half the particle out of space, and the other particle would fall, fall down. And so you have something called accretion, an accretion disk. And so the star starts to spin up and come down and form a, a large body. And so that's how stars begin. Now. Betelgeuse is just 10 million years old, and so it's really burning through. It's, as they've said, it's got uh, 10,000 times the um, uh, um, um, mass, no, something like that. It's uh, 10,000 times the mass. Um, it's burning a thousand times more quickly, something like that, and uh, therefore it's. Um, got a, a very small f fraction which is going through. I can't quite remember the numbers for it, but it's, it's burning really quickly. And you've got uh, different processes. Now there are certain things that this person began to get wrong. Um, so what happens is that you have something called the um, uh, first the deuterium burns. The deuterium is burning in Jupiter. Jupiter is radiating out heat, and it's it's old deuterium is heating um, but then you get hydrogen uh, the four, pro, four, four p process four protons turn into a helium and then you get the triple alpha um, um, process and the triple alpha process occurs in cno carbon nitrogen oxygen uh, cycle fire so you've got different if you can imagine different engines you've got a four-cylinder engine, a bit of a V6 going on. V6 is CNO, and the CNO requires a bit of carbon in there to seed, and there's not enough carbon. The carbon seeds in when three helium atoms come together and actually fuse to form a carbon. And the thing with this is that it forms just a metastable carbon for an instant. And that has, can just lose its energy. So it's one of these things that, um, if imagine you were throwing rocks up on a roof, um, and you throw a rock up on the roof and you try to get it stick to the roof, this triple alpha is a resonant which actually um, slows the rock down and holds it and makes it a particularly effective thing. Now, earlier on, uh, one of the amazing things is that uh, people have always been searching for God. They say, well, bloody hell, the equations are here. 
Second, the law of thermodynamics, conservation of energy, conservation of mass, causality. It's getting very, very hard for a god to come in and change the probability of something in a meaningful way. Uh, and so people began looking at equations, and I've said early on there was the triple alpha. It used to be in the 60s. If people, a lot more people would know about the triple alpha because triple alpha was just so bloody convenient. Uh, so, but that doesn't really mean all that much. So you have um, uh, the um, helium burning, uh, and it can form direct. This feature can and can actually burn carbon, and so depending on what the star is like, the amount of fuel, you can actually get a theoretically a little carbon diamonds floating out in space. But uh, you you've got to understand that um, as it's a plasma matter, as we understand it, it's it's a general matter. Uh, I wouldn't be able to stir my cup of coffee with a magnet, but you could stir. A plasma with a magnet, you could, if it was a plasma, you'd be able to whip your magnet above the coffee and, and, and spin up. And so there's plasma, plasma in there. And so uh, in your giants, you have um, the core burns, core runs out of energy, and then the shell burns. And as the shell burns, it heats up, it puts more crap in, and the core can burn at these different gear ratios. So it can gear up until eventually there's... Uh, iron in the center. You sort of walk your way up to the periodic table. So there's several um, um, ways the periodic table. If you can imagine a periodic table is a, a sort of like a chocolatier sections. Initially you have the Big Bang and it just fills in a little bit. Hydrogen helium with it into lithium. Then star formation. A star formation like this it forms um, uh, carbon, it, it forms it forms up to iron, so you're happy star. Then you've got slow neutron and fast neutron uh, events, um, and that's when a star is cooking for a few million years, and there's heaps and heaps of neutrons, and the neutrons keep on um, overloading, going beyond iron, and uh, uh, if it if it's got a short half life, it doesn't exist, but if your path involves something short half-life and it's got a high neutron flux, it can go there. So you can you can get different parts of the periodic table um, with fast neutrons, so even bigger stars. And, the, uh, and we know this because we can actually start to see the surface of stars. We can see the core and the surface, and this is something which this guy, guy missed. Uh, and then you have uh, neutron star collisions. Now, neutron stars... Although they're called neutrons, the actual um, energy in them, they're, they're not, there's no neutrons in a neutron star. They're a quark, gluon, degenerate mess of so much pressure that the strong force doesn't keep neutrons separate. A neutron is a dude of three quarks, at low energy, at higher energy, that neutron is no longer got the strong force to hold it together, and so this is why when you collide two together, you get this soup and jets come out. And so it uh, 
still hold, still got surface tension, but the surface tension holds it, forms these um, these jets coming across. So, so you've got these different filling processes coming up, and above this this filling process and observing different stars, you see that there is a lot of plasma dynamics going on, and I think we have to sort of stop and talk about the size, the different sizes. So um, the Earth is 40,000 kilometres in diameter, uh, sorry, in circumference, 40,000 because it's 10,000 per quarter, and 10,000 per quarter, was that's how you define the metre. So the metre is, there's 40,000 metres in the circumference by the definition of what the metre is. That gives you uh, 12,000, 12 point something rather, 12,300 12, kilometres for our diameter. The sun is 1.3 million diameters across, um, 1.3 or 1.3 gigameters, GM. Uh, and then we are um, 150 million kilometers or gigameters, kilometers from the sun. And Jupiter's, uh, I think, 640. I, I can't really remember. But Betelgeuse has got a diameter the size of Jupiter. And uh, that's a huge volume. It is a very diffuse star. In fact, you could easily, in a spacecraft, um, just put appropriate shielding on it. Um, you, it's so thin you wouldn't. Uh, you couldn't. Call, problem is that you couldn't cool down. There's there's no nothing to it. To you you could cool down. You could cool down the way you cool down in a um, in the Sahara Desert. You could have air conditioning because you could create something hotter. You yeah. and get a heat pump. So you could have an air conditioned spacecraft could fly right through. Betelgeuse would be very benign. So it's a very thin the atmosphere of Betelgeuse up at that, that amount. Even though it's 10,000 times, it's, you know, um, 1,000 times bigger, a billion times bigger. So it's, 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 the density is nothing. So what's, what's going on? Well, um, the important thing to say is that um, if you look at you get a pan of boiling water with some rice in it, and it's heated at the bottom, and uh, you heat it up, and you see it start to get, starts to convect. And you see convection things. It's the hot, hot stuff becomes less dense. Less dense means that there, there's more dense, colder stuff up there. Gravity will start to move that heat out, and convection moves the heat around like that. Now. Um, the as you build up a plasma, um, the plasma physics here, and there's nothing, no, you know, I really, really would like to know that. Aha! I don't have it there. At a certain density, that process stops. And for us, that stops about a third of the way down into our sun. So we have this, these, this boiling sun, and then at a certain point, the sun stops convecting. And if I was going to go down in the sun, it's like a jelly. You could possibly, if you had something strong enough 
to you know, hard enough to which would survive, you dig it out. You it's like jelly. You can move across. There's nothing moving. Our sun is a completely still pile of stuff. Particles can move in the way that I would um, diffuse a flavour into a beef, you know, seasoning into a chicken. It would the the chicken salt would slowly move in. The flavour, the time would go in, and light diffuses out the same way. So light is travelling from the, the middle of the sun out. It can't can't escape. It's as dense as rock, and it travels as rock. It's like a bloody big rock. Uh, the thing is, it's the light is uh, is um, the radiation is travelling atom the bit of plasma. And it takes a million years for the light at the centre of the sun to reach the surface, and then eight minutes to reach us. A million years and eight minutes. And this is a photon. This is the diffusion time. So, like a rock in a um, say campfire. Do not be stupid enough to put a river rock around river rock in a campfire because the heat will up the steam, will be cold on the outside, it will chill down on the outside, will be cold on the inside and it will blow up. So often often people um, people do say, oh, you know, I'll put a river rock in. You know, they, they hear it. The worst thing is uh, the, uh, at school I have people saying, let's heat up a rock. Yeah, and this just danger or, or I've, I did it myself I had a little pickaxe you know a little one of those supermarket um, blazing things so I was trying to melt something onto a, a microscope slide it was a it wasn't a quartz slide it was a glass slide and it just slide just went bang pressure pressure like that it's a bit bit unlike that so but what I was saying if you get a rock and you let it cool down and it then splits, as it does. You can it light comes out because there's light tra trapped inside this heat, trapped inside it. So it lights the sun. So the important thing with our sun is there's a process. There's this solid layer which is scraping the convective layer. The convective layer is travelling at different speeds, slow at the poles, faster at the um, equator, and of course the centre is is moving the mean between those two things. So towards the pole, the the, the it's called the tachosphere. The speed change, the tach yeah, the tachosphere. At that surface is like a surface layer, and it's scraping the plasma, generating a huge magnetic field. And as it's doing, it's vibrating the magnetic field and creating alpha and waves, which go all the way up. And that the convection is also a plasma. So the the pipes are like lightning bolts. There's, you get zeta pinching. So as the, as the current goes up, it creates a local magnetic field. There. So and the current goes in a direction. If I put a current in a direction, the vector potential goes in that potential that direction. The vector potential A, uh, the curl of A is the curvature of the magnetic field. So if I go bigger A, the magnetic field curls, goes around the center. It's just study, study electrodynamics I have, and I'm still halfway through my book. I've still got to get through it. It's a bit, it's heavy going, but you get these things like you know current A. I have a greater current. I have an A vector potential goes out there, which 
deterministic curvature, the magnetic field goes around and this, this pinches in. So the end result of this vibration is taken to the surface of the sun. This vib magnetic vibration then heats up the solar gas and it burns and shoots out the solar wind. Now the solar wind pushing out, if you, you know, like a balloon, if I blow out, it blows back. And this actually uh, peels back our sun. Our sun is 5,000 degrees, 5,000, well, I think 5,300 degrees. It's 5,300 degrees, 5,600 Kelvin, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's that temperature because that is the temperature that this process has peeled back our sun. So our sun is being potato peeled and it has a atmosphere which goes to 5,000, a little bit higher, it goes to a million degrees and a million degrees it just rockets out the solar wind coming out and that solar wind goes way out to the uh, helosphere beyond Pluto, you know, it's really out there and uh, there's more things to it. Solar wind is this fantastic thing, it's a pinwheel, so coming from the equator is fast, coming from poles is slow, less, less vibration, solar winds is dual speed, two speeds interact and so we get a fairly constant speed up to Earth, but by the time it reaches um, at Mars it forms a, a helical shock wave, this is all true. And so, and so our sun is huge. Uh, our sun is actually bigger than Betelgeuse. In fact, Betelgeuse is actually smaller than our sun if you included the solar wind, which uh, keeps on going out until it hits the um, the background of our um, galactic mass. Now, the way that you can eventualize this is that if you have your shopping ball or plate underneath your tap, and the tap goes down and it's a thin water, it will create a circle and that circle will form a shock wave, a bow wave where the um, velocity of the water going out hits the velocity coming in, it forms a increase in matter around there where it sits and that will be a shock wave, that, that rim, so you've got the helosphere inside, the shock wave and galactic mass outside, so that's important point. Now not all stars are the same. So the smaller the star comes, the greater the fraction of mass. So the smaller star is you've got smaller pressure inside and so you've got a smaller and smaller stable core. And eventually when it gets down you get a star which is completely tur turbulent. And so um, Jupiter would be an example of that one, but not, not so much. Um, Proxima Centauri, our closest thing is a red dwarf and it is one angry mother of a star it's got because it's all turbulence there's nothing the turbulence from one side of the star is connected to the other and you have these massive solar storms so it's got a little planet going around it in fact most stars out there in fact almost every star has planets and if it's not got lots of planets it's it's every star has secreted lots of planets, so there, there are these dark planets just travelling through the solar system like, like all crazy, it's just the most amazing place out here. We can see the dark star 
dark planets because they go in front of stars and make them brighten up and dim down. Brighten up and dim down as they go past it. It's like these little lenses you can see them. the gravitational field of these planets going throughout space, all these dark planets. Uh, so, uh, if, if you can imagine uh, there's this turbulent, fluffy, trifly, rotating um, atmosphere in our sun, and then solar there. In smaller stars, it's it's uh, completely completely like that, and, and it's all powered due to the heat transfer. Point. Now, there um, I say it's the heat transfer has to be gentle. If you turn it up, it's like turning on a mix master onto absolutely thing. It just completely stuffs it up. It does. It doesn't. Doesn't it's like I don't know, putting an outboard motor on your inflatable dinghy in your pool and then runs around and just sinks stuff like that. So in Betelgeuse, something else is happening. So the, the the thing here is that the sun is not very efficient. Our sun is not very. It's ten billion years, and it's going to run out of fuel that can access. It will hit a little heap of fuel there. Feel that can access the uh, um, Proxima Centauri, um, our closest star uh, here. It's at 41 uh, Peter meters. I don't like light years. Peter meters. Peter, I'm Peter. It's best to have a Peter meter. Now, Peter meter means that you can visualize it by going a scale of one to a trillion. Very relaxing way to do with kids. Much. What can I say? I, I, I'm not fated as the recognised educational authority, but it doesn't stop me solving pro maths problems and understanding stuff. I may not be famous or anything like that, but it doesn't stop me reading article after article, going, ah, oh, uh-huh, oh, yeah. And, and similarly, I may not be famous, but I can tell you the one to a trillion scale is the way to teach so one to a trillion, the size of the sun is 1.3 millimeters across, and the nearest planet is for, nearest star is 41 kilometers away at that 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 scale, and it's the size of a grain of you know, sesame seed type type of stuff in terms of um, in terms of scale. Jupiter's you know, almost not visible, sort of like a uh, piece of dirt on your, your, your skin at that, that, that one, to, one to a trillion scale. So as, as I sort of said that um, I'm not famous but um, you don't have to be famous to do maths, you don't have to be famous to read through journal articles yeah, stuff like that uh, and to come up with a better teaching method if class after class really understand it and go across yeah, this is a, a better teaching method. Okay, so um, uh, you've got Proxima is all um, turbulence. The sun is less turbulence, but on the surface of it, it's got this process, this turbulence-driven process of heating the upper atmosphere. Game now, when that process, when the 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 heat from the sun increases, that process will change. And become less effective. 
and if it's less effective, it heats less at a, a greater altitude and the, the sun will swell. The sun actually will swell. It doesn't know more material. It doesn't get telling you, oh, it's going to get bigger. It's less confined, uh, that is, um, the, the temperature. It won't be pushed back into a ball as much by blowing the solar wind out. Uh, it will grow bigger and bigger, be a more gentle solar wind and more diffuse. The temperature will be a more gentle stuff. There'll be more radiation because the surface area will increase as the, the square of the distance. The temperature will drop, but overall the, um, the energy output will be bigger. So it's one of these energy output bigger this process of Stellar confinement goes down. Now that's what's happened in Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse has got yet another process happening. In. So it goes turbulence still, the tachosphere, the sort of semi-solid jelly, but then underneath that, for really big stars, underneath it, it um, becomes turbulent again. And if it becomes turbulent again, rather than um, storing the fuel, it's so hot, it actually uses all its fuel. So it's it's um, so you, you get this kink in something or the Hertzsprung diagram as the yeah, CNO. So if you have the Hertzsprung diagram, it starts off at an angle for small stars. So the um, the the I think it's the luminosity versus the temperature goes up, and as the temperature suddenly increases, this is the surface temperature. So the surface temperature is Nothing to do with the size of it, it can be to do with the size of the stars, but it's it's to do with uh, uh, the surface temperature and the uh, luminosity gives you the radius of the star. That's that's okay, but you could have you could select a very large radius and a very small. You, you, you can in the Hertzberg Russell diagram, you've got different solutions at the same luminosity. You can have a red big star or a blue small star, same luminosity, but so it produces more radiation. Now the reason for this is um, to do with uh, the bosonic nature of um, photons. So photons are bosons and they form population and you can basically calculate the energy given up per unit surface area at a certain colour and therefore for a certain colour, certain Intensity gives you a certain radius and stuff like that. So uh, what happens is that with this process going on, you get the Hertzsprung-Russell diagram. It takes a kick as the CNO goes on, and then uh, as the process of relating um, um, the, the power output to uh, the t surface temperature breaks down, it's got a huge power output but a low surface temperature, and it grows and ex expands. Now, Betelgeuse inside it has a turbulent layer instead. Now, so this this guy, nonetheless, this sexy looking guy with intense look and the music behind him and all that stuff, missed all this. It just, no one taught it to me. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I don't think it's stupid or anything like that. But you, you do, if you go in a university and you have less 
what can you say, humble people, people who say, look at my door, it's got the word expert on it, and so, yes, I am an expert, and so they're so focused on themselves, they don't just quietly get get the knowledge going up. And so, so Beetlejuice has got this turbulent layer, which is really scooping it in, and high neutron flux, it's, it's really turning uh, along, I don't know, it's, it's probably an F, uh, an FNR reaction. And so we'll be able to start to see the elements from the inside. And it will be quite an interesting thing to explore. If it goes supernova, that will be fine. I, I think you can tell the um, stage of a star through its um, um, from, from the element mix. That would be quite interesting to see uh, what the element ratios are. Tell. There would eventually be the ability to pick element ratios like that. Now, one of the things that this person said is um, the stochastics. That is, that just blew me away. Like, um, I don't know if if you say have barbecue throughout the neighbourhood and you know you've got 1% Afghan, 2% Vietnamese population and um, something like that, uh, you can actually say um, what you expect to say at any particular barbecue. You know, what's the probability? And from barbecue to barbecue it would be different. But if you got that population and you said each barbecue has got a million people at it, and there's only five barbecues here. It's just the size of Betelgeuse is, I wouldn't use the word stochastics. Stochastics would be for, um, stochastics is, is not to do with the actual processes. The um, stochastics to do with the quality of your information at this stage. I, I think that's, I, I, look, I've just got a, um, a problem, a problem with it. So Betelgeuse will expand. Now they, he goes into this process of describing star death, and this, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether they've missed it, but the idea is the fuel runs out, the light pressure inside star, really massive stars drops you can no longer hold it out you've also got um, the um, Fermi exclusion principle going on this is Fermi exclusion principle is that if you've got hadronic matter it's, it's still not hot enough for hadronic matter you can actually go across so as, as the um, pressure increases you can actually crush neutrons and protons and stuff like that uh, and, and the, the temperature is, is interesting how much goes and how much light is generated so guess less nuclear reactions your actual soup becomes light poor and the actual soup crushes down. It's it's not necessarily the light which is holding it up, it's the light fraction of the soup uh, which is um, making it go 
for, for one process. But the important thing which I feel you miss is the fact that um, you have a pressure waves going out to the surface and interacting down and you've got nuclear dependent um, processes which are pressure dependent um, and um, so uh, you have this process that um, okay you have this process that uh, uh, nuclear reaction happens on the surface at high pressure and happens with the pressure waves and so you have a pressure wave which is then rocketed by nuclear reaction and so what's happening is it's throwing off the surface layer up and the star actually detonates and as the pressure wave increases nuclear reaction which burns and fires off off matter and the matter firing off pushes in increases the pressure and the pressure wave builds up and increases the nuclear reaction runaway nuclear reaction and you have basically a star still star size nuclear bomb you know it's sort of impossible not to have this, this process so if if it if it detonates it's it's um, uh, one thing so there's a certain certain size go up there then you can have stars just disappear in the visible and um, this is um, where the actual matter inside becomes so hot and degenerate it produces positron electrons pairs and this is the person who hasn't said this whatsoever he had this complicated thing that that the matter goes out and then it falls in is like the formation of a star you just can't have matter falling into a star you've got to have 50 percent of the matter going out if you can employ the black hole you've got to have 50 percent of the matter that's in the black hole shooting out the other way and if you want matter to fall into a black hole you have to throw matter out so this is one of the things that we know that we've got a big black hole at the center of our galaxy because as a star falls in the companion star shoots out so there's as much stuff being thrown out of the hole as actually form into it it's it's you've got the your local your local your local star uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's actually the angular momentum to slow slow down and, and go into it and so you've got this other process which is there which is this um, conversion of matter all the matter into x-ray energy something like that winks out so there is this winking and winking out thing but there's many processes involved in it and there's well many steps involved in it so I've tried to exp explain it then and so we're back to Betelgeuse I'll just close off by talking about Betelgeuse Betelgeuse is one of the, there's two there's sort of like oh, I don't know there's a southern cross which you can show kids this uh, Australia sorry guys there's um, Antares, which is in Scorpion. Scorpion is a very visual star. There's Orion, Orion's Belt. There's um, that's three stars there, and three little stars. And you look at those three little stars, and they're really interesting to look at the telescope. There's 
the middle one is the horsehead nebula or something like that. Um, then you've got the brightest star. So, so if you showing kids around, there's certain things. There's asterisms. There's a, a certain shapes. A group of three for Orion's Belt, the Big Dipper, I suppose you would call it. Then a sort of it looks like a um, tetrahedron with a brightest star in it, and that's Sirius. Uh, uh, so brightest star is easiest to do. Uh, there's Scorpio. Scorpio, you can do it, but there's a red star, a red giant there, and then Betelgeuse is also very easy to see. It's sort of like it's the red star. There's very few reds, but two red stars in the sky: Antares and Betelgeuse. Uh, look at that, and it's it's there. You can you can point out. So there's, there's no, the other stars you have to give a bit of a story of it. There's Hydrus and Hydra, a male and female snake. That's worth what I'm doing. I don't know why people don't point that out. You don't, really, you, you don't see the male snake. The male snakes all shun down to the southern hemisphere. You won't, you won't see the Hydra then. So Betelgeuse is, is one of these stars which are very easy to see. And uh, it... Uh, means it's one of these few Arabic named stars, not Greek named stars, Arabic star, and it means uh, armpit, quite honestly. Uh, and yeah, that's that's another thing. So, armpit, and it's one of these stars which is just if you're, you know, you've got someone on the phone or someone email or someone in a distant land and you want to say, oh, look. Have a look up the star tonight. There's, you know, for um, for different people, I have different different stars, groups of stars. The Pleiades, Pleiades always fill me with wonder. So the Pleiades, you got the star all like this. And so 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 was it's almost as though someone's had a star throwing the stars out of a jar around the place. I'll, I'll do the Milky Way. That. And Pilates is, oh, I've dropped about seven stars or seven sisters. It's a little um, cluster of seven stars in the Pleiades. That's, a, that's something great. And so often, I think in spring uh, in Australia, walking down in the morning to catch the train, you see the Pleiades and it's sort of, ah. Uh, but uh, Betelgeuse has always been a um, star system that I've talked about, shared with the people. And um, it's for me, and obviously when I first knew about it, I knew very little. When I was three, I knew very, three years old, I knew very little about stars. Then possibly about seven people actually explained it to me. I used to go out observing stars. And um, so it's, it's one of these things, I think, People, um, I think the worst disaster is someone having the word expert written on their, their door at a university. It's, so it's not almost the death now. So the majority of university people are really nice and gentle. And um, I remember going out to these astronomers, very nice, gentle, happy people. There are some people, and it's, I think it's people trying to explain things too quickly and understand things too quickly. So it's taken me a long time to actually understand the plasma dynamics of a star. 
and it's a very important thing. The star is half a degree here, 100 hour star, the Sol, S-O-L, is, is here. And why is it that temperature? Why is our star that temperature? Well, it's not because of the size and the fuel. It's not from the Hertzberg-Russell diagram. It's, it's got another step involved. It's, it's the size, the fuel, the age, the process. And the process is actually skimming back. So if the process went even more, it would actually go uh, bluer. If I could improve the process of generating solar wind and cut, uh, and cut down the star, so if I could potato peel a star for the back, I'd get down and go bluer and bluer and bluer. Um, and so it's so like your blue giant stars, they're very hot and their process is working really efficiently at this huge scale. So it's, it's, it's to do with fairly complex plasma dynamics, as you would expect. So something happening inside the core uh, has a temperature and effect uh, at, at a scale so that, uh, uh, to go through. So, you, so it's interesting how a star can go from um, uh, change size and color. So thanks a lot for listening. I'll see how that's gone, and I'll put that out as a uh, podcast on Beetlejuice to come across. So thanks across lots for listening to that, and I'll just stop this now. Thank you for listening. another story comes to a close it's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you may you discover truly amazing things understand them and tell others thanks for listening